Hi, I'm Alex from Michigan. Hi, I'm James from Montpelier, Vermont. Hi, I'm Dominic from Bonn in Germany. The South of America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio Last weekend at Lake Arrowhead, California, we had the first annual Max Fun Con, and it was a really amazing success. Just a, a joy and a pleasure, and um, I, just a ton of fun. Just so, so much fun. We were lucky enough at Max Fun Con to book one of the world's most highly sought after conference speakers, Mr. Merlin Mann. Let's go to the stage and me introducing Merlin's talk, which was called Doing Creative Work. Colon, with all due respect to the seduction community. We're so lucky uh, to have this uh, guest speaker here at the conference. He, he, having him here was sort of one of the, um, one of the, the bedrock central ideas uh, when I conceived of this thing. And uh, what I wanted to do is, is what we're doing today, which is, um, you know, I, I called him up. And I asked him because he, you know, goes around to all these corporations all over the world like an Apple computer gives him, you know, uh, 20 tons of gold bullion to come tell them how to check their email or whatever. <laughs> and um, and so I, I called him up and I said, uh, hey, Merlin, if you could do a talk, like one of your talks, but it was about what you wanted to do your talk about and not what there was a market for doing your talk about or what um, what people really liked when you talked about it or what do you feel the most passionate and caring about? And he said, oh, I've, I've really been thinking a lot lately about doing a talk about um, the process of doing creative work. And I said, well, Awesome, because that's basically exactly what I think Max FunCon is about, to the extent that it's educational at all. Um, and uh, and I was so de- I was so delighted that uh, he agreed to be a part of it. We're we're very lucky to have him. So please welcome Merlin Mann. Well, I could, I could feel the pleats. Boy, they're sharp. They're sharp. Oh gosh, I'm not used to doing it. I always feel like a motivational speaker when I do this. It feels wrong, and I'm not, you know. But who's ready to get rich? Yeah! Shut up! I always wanted to do some kind of cult, religious. You know those guys who do like the cult, religious money, and you know they they sew together this amazing tapestry of you know half truths, uh, you know. Based on you know the Gospel of Matthew and you know uh, Don Lepray and uh, a TV guy doesn't matter uh, and I'd like to do that at some point so uh, if I seem sincere I hope you'll overlook that when I'm ready to fleece you uh, I'll try this oh, God. Uh, uh, hey uh, so dinner I had dinner last night all of a sudden I'm doing stand up what is the deal with food it comes on a plate and then later you defecate. Who's coming up with 
I was at dinner last night, and uh, this is the part where I make it topical. I was at dinner last night, and we were talking about, you know, this and that, and uh, uh, we, we ended up, I don't know how, we ended up on one of my favorite topics, uh, which is the seduction community. Are you guys, I'm sorry, first of all, the title of this talk is, uh, you know, uh, with all due respect to the seduction community is the name of this talk. Are you familiar with the seduction community? Do you know what the seduction community is? Oh, well, let me share, give it up, mystery. The uh, seduction community is an ad hoc collection of men who try to trick women into having sexual intercourse with them. And they do this through these systems. And they've got all this taxonomy, and they've got terms, and their systems. Seriously, this bugs you. You should go. You probably got to go check your uh, you know, messages on you know, uh, roofywatch.org or whatever the site is. And what these guys do... What these guys do is try to trick normal ladies into thinking that they should have intercourse with them. And <laughs> so the part that I love about this, though, you guys know this, right? You go, oh, she's a solid seven, and I did the wingman 38, and then the guy came in with this. And they've got all this crazy, they've got a system, and they've got all this taxonomy for tricking women into having intercourse. Now, the point of this is that they, most of these guys, have you ever met these guys? They are not having a lot of sexual intercourse. <laughs> Let's be honest. If they, if the system worked, they wouldn't need the system, right? At a certain point, the Buddha says, you know, when you've crossed the river, put down the boat, right? <laughs> so my, my impression is that in the seduction community, you become much more involved with the community than the seduction. And you start getting a certain amount of what Cory Doctor has called woofy. People start respecting you because of your mad skills at landing solid eights and what have you. And, you know, coming up with maybe new nomenclature for this. But uh, gosh, what does this have to do with creativity? Well, it has to do with creativity for the same reason. I, I used to read Black Belt magazine. You know, any fans of Black Belt? You ever read Black Belt? Yeah. You ever uh, you ever buy throwing stars? Anybody ever have rubber chucks? You ever uh, Bruce Lee posters, Ninja Mask? Uh, I never kicked anybody in my life. I've never kicked a single person. And if I did, I'd probably break a toe. I'd have to pay a deductible. My mom would be mad. She'd make me move out of the basement. It would be a travesty. How many of you have thought a lot more about the kind of notebook you buy than what you'd like to write as a result of it? <laughs> That's right. Give it up. We'll talk about notebooks later. I'm a fan. But uh, the DNA in all of these things is that it's really easy to get a lot more fixated on the process and on the nomenclature and on the things that it's easy for your mind to get wrapped around rather than the actual stuff that you make as a result of it. And... There's nothing wrong with recreationally enjoying things like pretending to trick cute girls into liking you. I think that's, that's well, it's not noble. <laughs> it's pretty fucking dark. But you can see how that works. Like, you stay on the forum long enough, you get four stars, you become a salami commander. Pretty soon, you know, you're leading sessions about this, and although you're a horrible little homunculus of a man who's never actually touched a lady except in your dreams, where she's Princess Leia and she's a slave. <laughs> You're not actually doing a lot of actual, according to Hoyle, penetration. <laughs> and so I think a question that we need to ask ourselves, so here's the thing. I talk to a lot of you nerds, and my sense is that you guys like making stuff. Or you at least like the idea of making stuff, right? You guys write stuff, and you make comics. And even when you participate on the Max Fun uh, forum, it's pretty hilarious. And there's a lot of creativity that you guys are bringing to what you do. Um, and I hope this doesn't become cliche, but I really believe even if what you make, I hope this doesn't sound dismissive, even if what you make is an awesome Excel spreadsheet, if you're super happy with it and you're doing the thing that you want to do, you're on the right track. The way that you get off the track, to me, is worrying too much about the process and not enough about how you get to the point where you're making stuff that you're really super satisfied with. Does that make sense on the face of it? Right? So, uh, 
Uh, gosh, disclosure. I, I have 45 minutes this morning. I was on the phone with a woman who's coaching me through writing a large project um, because I need the help. And a lot of the advice that I'm giving you today is stuff that I struggle with every single day. Oh, Merlin's sandbagging. He's an internet whatever the hell. But you know what? I'm really, like, fucked up and trying really hard to get good at this stuff, too. And I get wound up in this stuff all the time. And so that's why I want to talk to you about how to start. Start. Right? What does it take to go from zero to something at some point? Because I think uh, before you become awesome at something, you've got to do something. And the problem is the road to something, you know, which is long before the rest stop that has the awesome, before you get there, you're going to have to start a lot of things. And I must tell you, you're going to suck at it for a really, really long time, an unbelievably long time. And the problem is, no matter how passionate you are about the idea of having made something, and no matter how attached you are to the process, your process, you know, everybody thinks they're great at these fucking processes. I'm a great multitasker. I'm great at email. And you go like, really? Have you asked the people that you work with if you're great at multitasking an email? We all self-assess that we're great at this because we've got a really good system. But in my experience, you know what that system is a lot of the time? It's a barrier that we create for ourselves. We create these mental barriers for ourselves about all the things that just need to change a little bit before we can get started. Oh, man, iPhone 3 is going to be awesome. iPhone 3 has GPS, TomTom, so I'll know where I am. Man, that I'm going to watch that keynote and reload because when this iPhone comes out, man, boom. Things are going to start to change for me. If I just had this one little thing that was a little bit different, I'd feel so great about starting this project. Oh, I cannot begin to write this until I work out the taxonomy of how I'm going to tag it. <laughs> I know, not you guys, but like, you know people that are like this? You know, if you think about what, like if you did in your brain, did like a little simple kind of uh, cognitive ratio of the amount of time that you spend thinking about, not thinking about the work that you create, but thinking about the way that you're going to create the work versus how much you spend typing or sculpting or painting naked people or doing whatever it is that you do, it's hard to start. Because, um, not to go all philosophical, but I really believe that if there's a part of you that really wants to go in this one direction to make cool stuff, and there's another part of you that's terrified at how bad you're going to be at it. And the people are going to see you suck. And nobody likes being seen sucking. And it's natural to infer, did I use that one right? To, uh, what's the, is that the, is that the right usage? Infer? Did I use that one right? to observe that other people seem to be great from the second they start typing. They've just gotten really good at starting, and they've gotten really good at not minding that they suck for a really long time. And if you don't believe that, ask anybody who writes professionally or who does anything over and over and over again. And the only difference is they've gotten really okay with the fact that they suck sometimes. So I want to talk about, uh, this is not a list. Do not post it to, to dig. Do not dig this. It is a list of four things, but don't think of it as a list because it makes me mad. <laughs> Item one. <laughs> You'll be turbo, they're going to turbocharge nothing. Just shut that stuff off. Stop it. No turbocharging. The first thing uh, is that you've got to start. You've got to really, really start. Not just kind of start, not think about starting. Not pick a new font, check the kerning, uh, full screen mode, man. <laughs> Side note, I will be talking about writing because that's kind of what I uh, aspire to get better at. But everything I'm saying goes for whatever through Excel, through whatever, through sexual intercourse, I must say. You know, but again, if you find you've been doing it for six months and you've never penetrated, you're a dilettante. 
and probably, probably a little bit stressed out, I have to say. Get started on something. And what does that mean? I've been um, actually discovering that for me, uh, there's this really weird thing that I do. Uh, I think there's, it's natural in your mind, especially in writing, to think that um, my mind tells my fingers that it's time to write. And therefore, I'm now writing. Because you're really smart, right? You guys went to a state school. You had a nice breakfast. You're really smart. You can make yourself write, right? No. No. For me, uh, my fingers have to move for 11 to 20 minutes before my mind knows that I'm writing. And it doesn't matter if it's garbage. For me, just getting something down is what enables my brain to know that it's starting to write. Does this sound familiar to anybody who's tried to do stuff? Um, actually, I, I did actually read this in a writing book. Sorry. But um, I, I got this idea that you can... Uh, you have to write your way out of a thinking block because you can never think your way out of a writing block, which sounds like horseshit, but it's true. Um, so really, like, like now, like go if you have to. Or like pull out your pad and write down one word about something. Oh, that's so stupid. I need a whole novel. Dude, you can't write a fucking novel until you put a word on the page. So stop having these giant barriers you create for yourself about how it has to be awesome the first time you sit down and get really comfortable with the idea that you're going to suck for a really long time. And if you have that, and I'm not, you know, I don't mean to sound critical, but you get what I'm saying, right? You're, 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 there's this judge, this, this mean dad voice in your head that's always shouting down your ability to even get started. Because why? I don't have enough information. I don't have the right tools. I don't have the expertise. I've got to watch this video. So just for the sake of argument, imagine blue sky solutioneering. Imagine just for the sake of argument that you have every single thing you need to start something right now that you could do it without a tablet PC. <laughs> you know, I, I remember reading that for a long time, uh, Picasso wouldn't even start the Demoiselles of Avignon because he couldn't tag his to-do list. <laughs> what am I going to do? Because apparently he's Italian. Um, <laughs> intercourse. But get started. That sounds so dumb. But you know, and, uh, and so what's the practical idea for this? For whatever it is you do, uh, you guys, if you follow the 43 folder stuff, you might have heard this idea of the procrastination dash. If there's something that's really freaking you out, you're not allowed to do it for more than a couple minutes. So try setting yourself something like, say, like five minutes, 100 words, something. I'm not allowed to go take a dump. I'm not allowed to breathe. I'm certainly not allowed to go look at, God love it, Metafilter or Dig, until I write this amount of stuff. And it's going to suck, and that's okay. Is this making sense so far? Does this sound like horse shit? So far, so good? I, I don't need to clap, but you bet right? Does this make sense so far? That starting sounds so stupid, and it's that sounding stupid that's keeping you from writing, or it's keeping you from doing whatever. So that's the first kind of starting. Um, that's really, that is kind of a 101 kind of starting, but everybody who's really smug about that and thinks that that's not a problem isn't producing stuff, I promise you. Second kind of starting, if this is something you care about, set aside time on a regular basis. It does not have to be every day, although it helps. And it does not have to be a giant amount of stuff. Instead, try saying, I'm going to return to this. I'm going to restart on a regular basis. Hemingway had this phrase. I think he called it leaving some water in the well. Maybe consider in your, whatever project you're on, stop at a point when you feel competent and where you know you could pick it right back up. But do it regularly. Um, I think Personally, I think it does help to be working on multiple projects. So you can walk away. Give it time to kind of... Um, be fallow for a while. Stephen King puts away uh, his drafts for six weeks before he ever looks at a first draft again. But for yourself, decide how often you can find a really solid block of time where you're not going to be interrupted and where you're not allowed to check stuff like email. Why does that matter? It matters for the same reason that buying running shoes does not make you a world-class athlete. And as I've said, 
I mean, there's a point with 43 folders, like, oh, boo-hoo, but like, there's this point where I kind of felt like, God, I get all this nasty email from people who are like, we need more, sir, we need more tips and tricks about how to be productive. Uh, so, uh, post volume is an issue. And people want the tips and tricks. And so I always think of like, imagine this guy who's sitting around eating fucking cookie dough going, runner's world doesn't give me enough tips. <laughs> and it's like, get your fat ass on the road every morning at five and you'll figure out the tips. If you make yourself get up every morning and do this stuff, just a little bit. If you get up and write 50 words every day, right? So there's a part of your brain that goes, that's dumb. Same kind of person that goes, I've got 50 things to do today. And I'm like, no, you've got one thing to do today. And then you've got another thing after that if you get the first thing done, right? It's really agility. But it matters because you get better at it. It's like exercising a muscle, right? You see those guys, those guys with the giant torsos and the little stick legs because they're really good at those machines. But if they ever sat, you know that one machine you do where it feels like you've been roller skating and it hurts your taint? Like if you do that, you do that because it's hard, not because it's easy. And if you try and power through it and use the muscle you're good at, you're going to be all fucked up. You've got to exercise the muscle that's hard to exercise. And if you do it on a regular basis, you're going you're gonna to get better at it. And why a constraint? Because a constraint matters. Like, I've got an office. I could go and sit for 16 hours a day and not write. But if I say to myself, I'm only allowed to write for two hours this morning, it gives me a constraint. Okay, enough said. Third kind of starting. This is at a slightly higher level, but I think it's super important. Once you've gotten to the point, and again, I just want to reiterate, this tolerance for sucking is giant. Like, anybody you know who does great work, like people in this room who you admire, sit and sweat it. And you know what they say to themselves? I will tell you. They say, I am a fraud. I am never going to do anything good again, and I'm going to die alone with shit in my pants watching cable <laughs> because I don't know how I've skated for this long on my very modest amount of skills and good looks. That's going away, and uh, everybody thinks that. But you know what? The way you get good at it is you power through it and you keep going. I know this sounds motivational. It's not. The point is that you, that you just have to keep the work going. Because there is no magic. There's not any little pill you take. Ritalin helps, in my experience. But <laughs> So here's where it gets more interesting from a creative standpoint. That, that is, to an extent, 101 and 202 kind of stuff. At the point when you're comfortable not being okay on a day-to-day -day basis, you start developing this one muscle that says, you know what? I can do this. It, like, I think I suck right now, but I've done it before. Anybody in here run? Probably not. But if you run, I don't. No, okay. Okay, I don't. I don't run. My wife does. I've, I've heard this secondhand. <laughs> While I'm eating cookie dough, she tells me about runs. <laughs> That's great, honey. Where's the remote? But, you know, they talk about like, the 17-mile thing in, in a marathon. And if you've run enough, you can make it past the 17-mile thing because you know you've done it before, even if you feel like you're going to die. Third thing, this is giant. If you want to do this for real, um, Develop an insane amount of tolerance for having no idea what something is turning into. So whether that's a draft or whether it's whatever, whatever modest amount of pseudo-success I've had so far is because I didn't try to turn it into a real thing before it was ready. And I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I am saying like almost everybody who's ended up making something good start look at, look at Mr. Hodgman as example last night, talking about that. I mean, do you think he sat around and went, I'm going to start, I'm going to start this book series so that I'll be on television? I mean, maybe. You probably had a plan. Okay. That, see, that's Yale. That's the training you get there. That's, <laughs> what is that? What is that? It's the, it's the, it's the, 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 the cranium and, and torso organization. Uh, skull and bones. They, um, don't, don't, don't sweat it. Don't sweat monetizing it. Do not sweat AdSense. Do not sweat any of that stuff until you're comfortable with it. Because here's the thing. You don't know what it's turning into. Remember what I said about typing, even when you don't know what it is? 
once you start getting comfortable with that kind of free writing, which you don't want to do forever, but once you get comfortable with that, you realize that the ideas come to you. They will come to you. If you let your brain give you ideas and you can execute them, you can't force them out and you can't think them out. You think you can. You think if you buy a better mind mapping app, you think if you get a new project management app, you think if you get a really cool pen, it's going to get easier and it's not. You have everything on your body right now with your nerd phone or your you know, space pen, you, which is actually kind of cool. You've got, um, you literally have everything you need right now to get started on that. But having that tolerance at a high level too, like not knowing what your job could turn into. To me, this is the most giant thing in the world. Because when I started liberal arts school in 1985, they said, what are you gonna, you're gonna study modern philosophy. What are you gonna do with that? You know, and today I'd say be your boss's boss. But, 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 <laughs> but back then I would say, I don't know, I don't know. And I just hope that I wouldn't end up in jail in Central Florida. Where they serve you that, they serve you that, that bread, you know, that, that's cheap and has carrots in it. <laughs> Starchy, you end up getting a little heavy. Uh, I, um, do you understand what I'm saying, though? Having a tolerance for going, I don't know where this is going. Because how many people do you know who are like, I've known I wanted to be a doctor since I was six. And now they're incredibly unhappy and successful, right? Having a tolerance for going, here's the thing I didn't know I was great at, is giant. But that also, that tolerance means that you're going to have to forgive yourself when it doesn't work out on the very first day. So that this, this podcast that we do, uh, the You Look Nice Today show, we threw out like three episodes of that. Like, I'm not saying it's like great, I like it. But like we threw out like three episodes of that because we went, it's not right yet. It's not right yet. And that's why to me from the first, technically second episode, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Like right now we do these live shows. I don't know if you're going to love our live show. We have no idea what we're doing. We're just coming up and we're going to keep doing it until we suck less at it. Right? You should come. It's going to be funny. Do you, do you get what I'm saying, though? It's like you don't do this stuff because it's easy. You do it because it's hard. That's motivating. Move on. Fourth one, um, and this is, a, this is a graduate level tip, but I think it's real. And at, at a certain point when you're comfortable with these things, you've got to start moving beyond starting. And that means getting better. It means polishing. And it means finding a way to discover what it is that lets you work modally, that lets you work in with once. This is really grown-up stuff. You've got to get to a point where there's this artistic side of you that goes, okay, I'm just going to take a bunch of ideas and be cool with them not being interesting. And then go, okay, what could this turn into? And then have a polished draft or a polished whatever. But you do have to work in those modes. Do you know what I mean? If you put the judge part of that before the artistic part of that, you're just going to be sad and you're just going to leave mean comments on people's blogs. <laughs> Largely with, with you know typos and the word lol. Lol. Um, we all want to be good, and we hate looking dumb. Um, I don't know if you like me. I don't know if you like what I'm doing. But I got up here because uh, this stuff matters to me and because I care about it a lot. And I, I know I'm not great at it, but like, I want to get good at this. And I think you get good at stuff by caring about it a lot and doing it a lot. And I think every time you feel an impulse to stop doing something because it gets too hard or too boring, that is the impulse that sends you into clicking a website over and over. What I want to leave you with is this idea that you may not only have the tools that you need to do anything, you probably have all of the information that you need to get started on something. And I'm not against having fun. God knows I'm not against serendipity, but I am against working in a certain kind of modality, which just means know when you've read Wikipedia enough to write 500 words. You know, you're never going to know everything. You're going to have to learn how to tolerate not knowing everything, including what you're doing, long enough to go make something. 
You can check email all day long, but if you don't use that email to make something really good, you're just a monkey. I mean, they could replace you with a shell script. I mean, I mean, not a, you know, a pretty modest one. A little bit of bash, a couple lines of bash, and you know, anybody can check email. That's not hard. What are you going to make out of it? And so I'm not telling you to become dull, and I'm not telling you to become like somebody who doesn't enjoy things. I'm saying quite the opposite. I'm saying if you don't learn to manage your attention on some level and decide when you've got enough information about a given thing, you'll never know when you're done. And everything starts having the same kind of light gray feeling of stupidity, and you get mad at yourself and become cynical because nothing will make you happy because you're no longer letting yourself make decisions about where to put that attention. And if you periodically catch yourself and you say, stop, say, I gotta go make something now, and I'm not gonna take any more input until I've made something with what I've got. That's a huge move. I think people are terrified to find out how good at something they may or may not be. And that's why we turn in our papers late. It's why we do things at the last minute, because we get to go, oh, if I only had, you know, you know, Andrew Marvell, if we just had a little more time, this could be really good, but you know what? You're never going to find out if you don't make that time, if you don't quit doing bullshit and start making the thing that you're really happy about. Nobody's going to care what iPhone you've got after you're dead. No one's going to care what your reputation was on the seduction community board, except for a lot of ladies who are really glad that they saw your you know, inhaler coming through the bar. <laughs> All I want to say is that you, there's a part of you that probably wants to make something really awesome, and there's another part of you that's screaming that part down because you're probably a little bit scared of looking like a jerk. And uh, I really just want to say I think it's worth trying it. It's worth starting out with some very modest, very low goals in terms of output, but very high expectations of how seriously you take it so that you can actually set aside a little time to kind of become the human being that you'd like to be and to make the kind of stuff that helps you feel alive. Kind of surprising from a guy who's such a big dick on Twitter, huh? <laughs> so now you learn two things. You can find Merlin Mann online at 43folders.com and merlinman.com. He's also one of the co-hosts of the great podcast, You Look Nice Today. Merlin did take questions after he finished up, but you weren't at Max FunCon, I guess, so your loss. I'm just kidding. Come next year. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. You can find me on uh, the Twitter twats at Twitter.com slash YoungAmerican. Special thanks this week to Nick White, who ran all of our logistics at Max FunCon, and also made this lovely recording, as well as, of course, the great Merlin Mann. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com.